Hello, and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. My name is John, and tonight I will continue in a series that I've begun that is called Jesus in Exodus. And tonight is part three, and we will go to chapter four. Before getting there, I would like to review a little bit from part two. In part two, we saw Jesus in Exodus 3. He was the burning bush that gave Moses the great commission to deliver his people out of Egypt. And from Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, we see that Jesus knows the tribulation that the people in Exodus was going through. Those people being the Israelites. They were the descendants of Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would give him the promised land. He promised him that he would make him a father of many nations. And he promised him that he, his line will be where the Messiah comes from. Well, Abraham did not see any of those promises fulfilled except of his son, Isaac. He did not see his nation, and his nation did not capture the promised land. Remember, when Abraham was in the promised land, you still had the Canaanites in that land. So the land was not completely given over to him yet. And God told Abraham that his descendants will be in Egypt for 450 years and they will be slaves. In Exodus chapter 1, we see the descendants of Jacob with 70 people increased to over 600,000 people. By the time the new pharaoh that did not know Joseph took over Egypt, the nation the descendants of Jacob were pretty much a nation, but they were a nation held under bondage. The Pharaoh was afraid of them. He was afraid that they would join their enemies and that they would be taken by them. To address their fear, the Egyptians' fear, they put the Israelites in bondage. And Jesus knew what they were going through. He said it himself in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land 
and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Prizites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. This part last night I referred to about our troubles and Jesus. Jesus knew the troubles of the Israelites. He also knows about our troubles. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says that God does not change. The God that we read about the Bible is the same. The God in the Old Testament is the same as the God in the New Testament. And the God in the New Testament is the same God that sits right next to his Father. He is praying for us daily. He is praying that we can overcome the tribulations that we are in. Because he sees our affliction and he hears our cry. He knows he is our deliverer and he will bring us up on his day. Now Jesus does not only know because he sees, he knows because he has experienced tribulation. No one has experienced more tribulation and suffering than he did when he came into this world 2,000 years ago. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, it verifies that. And I want to read that passage so that you can see that Jesus did suffer more than anybody else ever has. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 through 8. And being made, although he was a son, God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He suffered at the cross for our sins. He has ever suffered at the cross because he was made perfect. That made him be the source of our eternal salvation. Whoever believes in him and obeys him can be saved. At the cross, Jesus died for all sins. He just needed to die just one time for all that can be Saved, So Jesus delivered us from the bondages of sin. He knows what we are going through. In Exodus chapter 3, we see Jesus make an appearance to Moses. And in verse 10 of chapter 3, we see Jesus giving him the great commission he says I will send you to Pharaoh that 
you will bring my people out of Egypt. Now, Moses doubted. You see, he had fear. And fear paralyzes our belief. Whenever we make a commitment to follow Jesus, Satan will come at us with fear. And he used fear to put doubt into Moses. You see, God, he is merciful. He is patient. And he is slow to anger. And that's what we see when Jesus commissions Moses. In verse 11, we see Moses' first doubt. He said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Now, if you remember from Exodus chapter 2, which is part one of Jesus and Exodus. We looked at Stephen's testimony. We saw from Stephen's testimony on how Moses spent his first 40 years in Egypt. He went from being floating down the river into Pharaoh's house. God gave him favor. Moses learned all the wisdom from the Egyptians. At that time, the best education was in Egypt. And Moses was on his way to be a leader that will help his people overcome the oppression from Egypt. When verse 12 of Exodus chapter 2 we see his weakness of anger. The anger of Moses led to him murdering an Egyptian that was persecuting his people. Now, he did not do it out in the open because before he murdered that Egyptian, he made sure that no one saw it. And he thought that he buried his sin and no one would know. Well... His people knew, and Pharaoh knew, so that caused him to fled from Egypt and go into Midian. So from Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, we see Moses living the high life in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 2, verses 21, we read that Moses was content in being a shepherd in Midian. And then God makes an appearance to Moses. Jesus appears to Moses as the burning bush. And he gives Moses the great commission. And Moses doubts and he asks the question of, Who am I? 
you know, before Moses murdered, he thought of himself as mighty. Stephen described him as a person that was mighty in word and in deed. Well, in verse 11 of chapter 3, Moses saw himself as weak. Now, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, also written by a murderer. You know, Paul, before he met Christ, was a murderer and persecutor of the church. And this is what Paul says about God using the weak and foolish of this world. Now, I am using an electronic device for my Bible, so if there's like space in between, that means I'm getting ready to pull it up. And I'm right here. I'm reading from the ESV. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and to 27. In verse 27, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You see, Jesus is going to use a shepherd to bring down the nation of Egypt. Well, after Moses doubted himself for the first time, you know, Jesus answers and says, I will be with thee. Whenever God sends us to do his work, he is with us. When he was in the upper room with his apostles, he told them that he would be going away, but he will not leave them as orphans. You see, he has to go away because the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, can come and he can be the Spirit of Truth for them. Well, Jesus is that in Exodus. Jesus is the Comforter and he's the truth for Moses. And he tells him why he's going to send him to deliver his people out of Egypt. He is going to deliver them so that they can worship him on this mountain. You see, Jesus delivering the Israelites out of the promised land is not about so that they can be a nation and so that they could receive the promised land. He is bringing them out so that they can worship him. And when he does bring them out, they will want to worship him. And so before 
they get to that point, Jesus will send Moses. He gives Moses the great commission to bring his people out of Egypt. You know, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see that Jesus given the great commission to 120 people. And most of these were Galileans. You see, at that time, Israel was divided into three parts. You had Judea that was in the south. You had Galilee that was in the north. And in the middle, you had Samaria. All of Jesus' apostles were from Galilee. Jesus grew up in Galilee in a town of Nazareth. When compared to Judea, Galilee was looked at the lesser because they were poor and they were not as educated. And Jesus took 12 Galileans and used them, the foolish, to launch his church so he could bring down the wise. And Jesus gives them the great commission. He says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria. What we see in Exodus chapter 4, after Moses continues to doubt, that Jesus gives him his authority, in other words, his power. And if you look ahead, if you look at Exodus chapter 6, Exodus chapter 6, let's see, Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. This is after Pharaoh rejected Moses. And this is what Jesus said. And the Lord said unto Moses, I had made thee a God to Pharaoh. Now don't get confused. Jesus made Moses godlike with his power. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God has made us into the likeness of his image. But that does not mean we are gods because there are one God. Yet the power that Jesus gave Moses, it's like to Pharaoh, he is a God and his brother is a prophet. That's a little preview of how we're going to see the authority of Jesus progress throughout Moses. And Jesus being the same, he has given us power and authority. If you look into Luke chapter 10, I believe it's in verse 20. Luke chapter 10, verse 
can pull it up real quick. Let's see. In Luke chapter 10, and well, if I could kind of summarize it. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells them that he has given them the power and the authority to trample down scorpions and snakes. Now, did Jesus actually mean that when they come across a scorpion and snake that they would trample on it? Well, you know, with his power, that is possible. But he did not mean for them just to go all of a sudden to get snakes and scorpions and stomp on them so they could put on a show. No, 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 no. What he meant by trampling over scorpions and serpents was that they have the power and the authority to defeat Satan, demons, and his evil spirits and it's in Luke chapter 10 at Luke chapter 10 verse 19 Luke chapter 10 verse 19 behold I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you nothing shall hurt you and so after Moses doubts for the third time you know Jesus gives Moses power and authority and we see that in verses 2 through 9 of Exodus chapter 4. And as Jesus tells him that I'm going to be with you. And you're going to have my power and authority. Moses just kept doubting. He was trying to find more reasons of not doing what Jesus wanted him to do. At the end of Exodus chapter 4, we shall learn, when God says go, we should go. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, you know, the question is, you know, God asks, who's going to go? And Isaiah declares, send me, I will go. And that's how our attitude should be when God tells us to go. We should not doubt. We should say, send me, I will go. So when God says go, we should go. And we should trust God. In John chapter 15 verse 7, Jesus tells his disciples, If you abide in me and in my words, whatever you desire, it will be done. So what Jesus tells his disciples is that you can trust in me. And so God wants us to trust in him when he sends us. Well, earlier on when Jesus gives Moses the great commission, Moses continues to doubt Jesus. And so Jesus shows him what kind of power he will have. And in verse 2, the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, 
cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. You see, Moses has the authority to pull a serpent by its tail, and he would not get bitten. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. What we see Moses' rod be turned into a serpent and swallow the snakes of the Egyptians. And that happened before God executed his ten plagues on Pharaoh and Egypt. After God showed him the sign with his rod, he showed him another sign that had to do with his flesh. He tells him to put his hand into his bosom and to take it out. And when he did that, he saw his hand was leprous as snow. And then he told him to put it back in, and then he saw his hand was normal. And he tells them in verse 8, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to thy voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. That will be the first plague. And Jesus did that as an attack on their main god, Osiris, who is a god of the Nile. Well, after Jesus shows them the power and the authority, you would think that Moses says, Okay, we can do this. But Moses continues to doubt. In verse 10, Moses doubts. Moses doubts about his ability. He did not believe that with his ability, even with God's power, that it's not enough for him to overcome Pharaoh and Egypt. So Moses is still doubting. He's doubting his limitation. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So it doesn't matter how powerful man is. Because even if God was sick and severely ill, man still not still cannot overcome God. And God wants Moses to see that. That it's not going to be by his ability, but it's going to be by God's authority that Egypt will release his children so they can worship him on the mountain that God is on with Moses. And in verse 11, God asked Moses a question. Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or death, or sin, or 
or the blind? Have not I the Lord? So God tells Moses that he is the one that gave man their abilities to speak and to hear. The one that gives man the abilities can also be the one that takes away his abilities. And we see that in Luke chapter 1. When John, when Zechariah doubted Gabriel, you know, because Zechariah did not believe God, God silenced him for nine months. So that's a great example of God being able to take a build to take away our abilities because he has that power and that authority over us. Yet what we see throughout this doubt of Moses is that we see that God is patient. He is patient. And in verse 14 we see God's anger kindle when Moses continues to doubt him and he tells God that you know send someone else you know don't send me and when Moses told God that his anger kindled at the same time he gives instruction and he provides in verse 14 we see that he provides he tells him that I will provide you Aaron your brother and he can speak you give him the word and he will speak and in verse 15 God continues to give instructions and thou shalt speak unto him and put words into his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you should do and so God gives Moses instruction and he provides for him even after Moses told him that you could send someone else this is important to learn we have the word and so when God tells us to go we should not respond in the same way that Moses did with doubt and telling him hey you should send somebody else now we all work for somebody and when a boss tells us to do something if it's legal to do and if we're supposed to do it we should do it we should not tell our boss and say hey listen can you send someone else to do it I mean how would your boss feel and respond to you most likely he's probably gonna get rid of he's gonna fire you but we don't see that with God we see God being patient God is patient. He's graceful, he's merciful, he's just, and he's slow to anger because God has compassion. Like earlier on, we see that God understands our struggle. He knows what we are going through, and he knows why that Moses is doubting him. He knows that Moses still has fear. And so, for him to overcome that fear, he is going to be with them. He is going to give him authority and power. He is going to provide for him. And he's still going to give him instruction. And so, 
in verse 18, we see that Moses finally goes. He finally obeys God and he goes. From verses 27 to 29, God does not have us serve him alone. His promises fulfill his message of hope. We see later on Aaron joining his brother. And when Jesus sent out the 70 two by two, he did that for a reason. Because when one of them is sharing the word, the other one is praying. Whenever we share the word with lost people, it's spiritual warfare. And in the parable of the sower, when the sower puts a seed on the wayside and the bird snatches it up, well, we know that the bird that snatches it up represents Satan. And whenever we share the word with lost people, he is ready to snatch that seed so that people cannot believe. And so that's why we pray. We pray that God breaks people's hearts so that they can receive the word and so that they can be delivered from their sins. And so while one is witnessing, the other one is praying. And that's why God sent his apostles two by two when they went out to reach lost people in Israel. And so God does not send Moses alone. He gives him Aaron. And not only that, he gives him his power and authority. Now, in part three, no, part four, in part four, we'll look at Jesus and Exodus. We will look at chapter five, and that will be called the flesh against Jesus and how. Moses' response. That will be the next one. I hope that you enjoy seeing Jesus in Exodus. I hope you're encouraged by seeing Jesus and how he was with Moses. He promised Moses that he will give him the power and the authority. And that Jesus in the Exodus is the same Jesus that we serve today. When we follow him, when we obey his great commission, he gives us the power and the authority to trample over scorpions and snakes. Satan cannot stand against us because we have the authority in Jesus. Amen.